Hello and welcome. We're back. We are back. It's been a while. It has, but we're here. We had a lot of like assessments and just extra stresses, so we're back. Episode four. That's how, crazy. How did we get here? <laughs> okay, anyway, um, today's episode is just going to be um, kind of comparing and contrasting ADHD and ASD. Um, just to start off, ADHD is obviously Attention Deficit hyper- Hyperactivity Disorder, um, and ASD is Autism Spectrum Disorder. Yes, but before we jump into it, um, we would like to do an acknowledgement to country. So where we sit today is the Gubby Gubby and Kabi Kabi land, so we just acknowledge the traditional owners of this land, past, present and emerging. Such a beautiful country, this it Australia. Is. Yes, definitely. And we're lucky to live here, so. Um, We are no way professionals and this is an episode more to spread awareness and knowledge from the widely available resources um, and to put an OT lens on what we read and how we act and relate it to real world um, people. And just another disclaimer, some of the sources that we encountered use labels regarding functioning levels and gender-specific terms. We'll be trying to limit our use of these labels, Um, but, you know, if at any point we use uh, language that isn't appropriate, please let us know. Uh, The critiques will only make us better OTs and make the community as a whole a lot more accepting and educated around these. Beautiful. Thanks, Emma. All right, so... Emma's going to take it away. Um, She's got some amazing resources to share. Um, So I'll hand it over to you, Emma. Mm, Yeah, I've I've done a bit of research around all of this and Paris has a lot of um, real world knowledge with her clients and everything at her job. So she's just going to jump in whenever um, she can add to a point or anything like that. But I also did want to mention that a lot of my sources are actually just from YouTube. I'm a big big fan of just using YouTube to get a base understanding of something and then you can move on to the journal articles for a more complex um, understanding and definitely wouldn't use YouTube sources in assignments but yeah so that's just kind of what we mean by widely available sources that we'll be using today. So I'm just going to start off with ADHD so um, obviously as I said this is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder Um, And it's kind of characterized by a failure to pay attention, concentrate, organize, focus. And that's just kind of the base level um, understanding of ADHD. Uh, A lot of people think that the hyperactivity uh, section is something that is a, what would you say, like something that you need to have to qualify for the diagnosis? Yeah, I think it's like a big, there's big stigma around it, like as in that's what everyone knows ADHD to be as in someone who is always rushing around always wants things done and then they have kind of slow movements as well Mm. but Mm. yeah I think this episode is really going to help with um, broadening your knowledge on what it is because after reading about it it's so much more than I already thought and what I do what I um, see with my clients is actually it, it just relates so much more when you get a background knowledge on everything and your treatment and your um, sessions just flow so much nicer if you know all of the ways they're trying to articulate things but it's just it's just not getting out so mm. yeah 
Yeah, and just uh, something that I encountered in a lot of the videos that I watched and sources that I read is that it's often thought to be outgrown. Uh, this is possible they can learn to manage it better, but often it does continue on to adulthood. Uh, it's definitely seen as a uh, disorder that a lot of children uh, struggle with, but not necessarily, and it can affect you in many, many complex ways in your ad adult life. Um, but it's definitely experienced by millions. I believe I read some statistics. Um, it's a very common thing to experience uh, in the US, all those statistics were from. But it's usually diagnosed around childhood and specifically regarding their uh, behaviours uh, in school. Um, and I'm sure Paris would be really familiar with, I'm sure a lot of your referrals come from children who have issues at school. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, yeah, a lot of the clients I see, um, like the diagnosis age is around five. Like they don't diagnose someone till five just because every child is different and they respond to different stimuli. Um, so they don't want to put, I guess, a label on it. But um, yeah, I would say most of them come from teachers and classrooms noticing maybe different behaviours that other kids aren't doing. Um or noticing um, more tantrums than the other students, but yeah, yeah, I'd agree. There's so three that, different types of ADHD. There's inattentive, hyperactive, slash impulsive, and combined. So with the inattentive type, uh, children or adults can often look distracted, have trouble paying attention with things they don't care about. Um, and then the hyperactive, impulsive uh, type, they're more struggling to wait a turn in class or just in life. Um, it, they find it hard to stay in one spot. You know, they want to stand or run around when it's inappropriate. Um, and they can often interrupt, which is seen as, you know, not caring, not having respect. But it's honestly something that they can't, can't control, sorry. But then there's also the combined type of ADHD. Um, and I believe according to the DSM-5, uh, you need six symptoms from the first two types or a combination adding to six to qualify for the combined type of ADHD. Um, the important thing is uh, a lot of the sources said treatment works. I don't necessarily love the word treatment. I don't know how you feel about this, Paris, but I think mm. it's definitely more of a management side that we like to look at it, especially as OTs. Yeah, and Emma and I were discussing this the other day and we were trying to come up for a better word because honestly that, that word just sounds clinical yeah. and, and, it has and the, not personal. Yeah, the idea that it has to be fixed, yep. which I really don't like. It's something that you can live with. And you can manage, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but just it's important to acknowledge that it is a serious challenge. Um, and you do definitely have to make, what's the word I'm thinking of, make, acknowledge that people around you struggling with ADHD won't always perform how you'd like them to, is yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So moving on to ASD, so Autism Spectrum Disorder, it's a neurodevelopmental disorder as well as ADHD. Uh, they can often have trouble with social and communication abilities. Uh, they often exhibit repetitive behaviour and sensory sensitivities. But something that's really important to acknowledge as well is they also have a lot of strengths. So their visual memory is usually quite high. 
uh, their capabilities with music, art, math and science is usually above uh, the average standard. Um, but again, it's always important to acknowledge that everyone with ASD is unique and their symptoms vary. You know, it's autism spectrum disorder. It's all on a spectrum, which is important to acknowledge. No person with ASD is the same. Uh, so kind of the cause or where it's believed um, regarding research to originate from is uh, changes in brain development. <laughs> is changes in brain development in the prenatal period um, and heavily, heavily tied to genetics. I think Paris had a point regarding genetics as well. Yeah, I, I found a really good um, journal article that touched on this and because I was really interested. I, was, I didn't know if it was inheritable or um, if it was, you know, a, a kind of new thing, but... Um, what I found is that ASD is a heterogeneous neuro- neurodevelopmental condition with a large multi-genetic component. So, um, and this is presumed to have an onset early in gestation. Mm. I thought that was a really good um, kind of science evidence-based background um, statement, I guess, to put in because um, it is also something that doctors have researched for so long and I think that is a really good point to add because there's so many resources now and um, articles that touch on exactly what we're saying today and it's it's great that there's so much research now. Yeah and um, I'm sure if you have a diagnosis like ADHD or ASD um a large body of research definitely helps you feel more comfortable mm. in your diagnosis and less alone, which is, you know, something I've heard a lot of people with yeah. these diagnosis, diagnoses sorry, struggle with. Yeah. yeah. It's very prevalent in um, pediatrics, which I work in at the moment, and I just have to say the kids are amazing. So it's, you know, it's not the end of the world and you're not alone if you do have ASD or ADHD. Yeah. But something that is also super important is that early behavioural intervention, so it could be something like OT intervention, has been shown to have long-term social and communi- sorry, long-term impact on their social and communication skills. Mm. So, you know, um, trying to help those behaviours as much as we can from a young age definitely does help them achieve better in their life going on yeah in social settings especially um yeah yeah it's also important to note that it's found that sometimes people with asd have higher rates of sleep issues anxiety depression adhd as well um and i found interesting gastrointestinal issues there's also a link there i don't know how but yeah that's something interesting i found in my research Um, I also have a couple other sources that uh, compare and contrast the two uh, diagnoses. Um, But I just kind of want to start with Paris. What have you, have you been able to discern any differences just from your practice at the moment? Yeah, I actually wrote a few notes down. Um, The first difference I notice is attention span. So a child with autism they may find it hard to concentrate on a task that doesn't really interest them. Um, Yet, if they find something interesting, it will absorb them for hours on end. So that's all that interest. However, 
the attention span of a child with ADHD is likely to be short. Um, you've got a limited time. You want that game to be fun for the um, short time you've got. And this is even when they're doing something they love. Um, the next difference I put is around communication. So um, both conditions, uh, ADHD and ASD, the children will find it hard to interact with others, but these are in different ways. Um, a child with autism may find it hard to express their emotions and they may not use like common cues of conversations like gestures or eye contact. Um, whereas a child with ADHD um, may talk non-stop, always interrupting and not really noticing how their words are affecting others. Mm, mm, yeah, I love that. That was perfect. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just add on my last point. Um, so this is around routines and OTs are all about routines. So I thought I'd add this one in. Um, so a child with autism... I've found they love structure. They feel safe when there's a familiar routine and they know, for example, I bring in three games. They know that by that third game, they're done and they don't have any kind of unexpected stimuli coming in the room that'll throw them off. And that's when they get really upset. Um, so I've found um, this, like they might become upset or anxious such as, reading a favorite book before dinner um if this has changed say mum has to go out that night um dad has to cook dinner he d he doesn't read a book um they get really thrown off by that um however generally a child with adhd they don't like routines so they're much more likely to become bored and this will lead to impulsive behavior in structured environments like schools um awesome okay so I just want to um, kind of add on to what Paris said and just uh, have a look at what my sources have um, kind of discerned the similarities and differences to be between ADHD and ASD. So my first point is that they're both neurodevelopmental conditions. They both have hidden abilities, but also disabilities. Um, and it's often misunderstood. So I think at a surface level, both of them can be perceived a certain way by the general public um, but it's definitely important to have podcasts like this so that people can learn um, about more of the complexities with the diagnoses um, but they also are both rooted in a sense uh, that it's hard to be quote-unquote normal um, that's something that I found from a lot of the sources um, from lived experiences it definitely starts with um, as soon as the diagnosis is rece received or even before um, they receive that diagnosis, uh, they kind of feel like the black sheep. Do you know mm. what I mean? Um, so that's something interesting that I found. Um, they have a lot of over... Oh, this, I love this point, actually. Um, they have a lot of overlapping symptoms. However, some of their symptoms have different causes. So, for example... Um, a symptom like difficulty concentrating might be caused by easy distraction like in ADHD or high attention to detail like in ASD. So for both of them, they're having difficulty concentrating, but for two different reasons. I love that. Yeah. And I have another example as well, which I liked. Um, they said uh, interrupting conversations because of poor impulse control or difficulty reading social cues. So I can vouch for this mm. point. Sorry to jump in, but just 
off one of my clients that I'm seeing recently he we're actually working (laughs) on um social skills so what this looks like is we're learning about what it takes to be an active listener or like a passive listener so not jumping in when someone's talking even though I literally just did that to Emma no it's fine I love this story (laughs) this is a great story no so um yeah we no I'll share that that story I told you about later later. but yeah (laughs) I was just agreeing with that point because even like oh my gosh he I'm so proud of him he's improved so much but at the start he did not want to listen to me at all he would be like guess what I did on the weekend I I went to the skate park and then he'd be like guess what my favorite game is and then I'd be like all right well we're talking about how to be an active listener (laughs) (laughs) and right now I'm just listening to you (laughs) but yeah it's so interesting to see how different people's brains work different and it's like not understanding that conversations are 50 50 yeah I think it's a good point you said before it's a neurodevelopmental disorder so that the brain has actually a different structure yeah they've kind of had some kind of stimulus early on Mm. in their development which has just had a domino effect on the rest of their development yeah yeah um all right so on to the next point um adhd is problems with attention regulation while asd can be an issue with many processes so like memory and sensory processing but asd includes attention regulation so if you think of the brain of like a map of all these different skills you know it can include it can include um memory and sensory processing like i said um and attention regulation and many many more um asd is an issue with all of these whereas adhd is just the attention regulation side um but asd doesn't have to include intention regulation does that make sense if you think of the brain as like a web Mm. and it has all these different skills and attention regulation is one okay adhd is an issue with attention regulation while asd is an issue with a couple of these skills that doesn't have to necessarily include attention regulation. Mm, Does that make sense? That's a good, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I found that a really interesting point. Um, and oh yeah, so deviation from the norm can be in either direction. And I just want to be careful with my language around this because I know this is where labels around functioning can come in. Um, but usually, uh, so ASD can be. Um, on the spectrum that we were talking about so it can be under or over distracted and under or over fixated not letting go on things that kind of thing so that's just really nailing down that spectrum of behavior yeah so you'll notice that we're not using high functioning or low functioning um as we believe these terms um are a bit derogatory really um every child who is diagnosed with ADHD or ASD, they are diagnosed. So it's just the different ways they react um, to their stimuli. Um, We don't want to put a label on it saying they're high functioning or low functioning because I feel like that just, it kind of... It's a dehumanizing term is what I find. And and like, like, you know what? They have ASD, so what? They're going to, you know, go get um, some resources to help them. We don't need to use that extra term on top of that. Yeah, and for some of the some of the people diagnosed with ASD, they do find comfort in those terms I've heard, but we don't know that everyone finds comfort in that, so we're going to yeah, kind of we don't, stray away yeah. from it. Um, 
Okay, so the next point that I have on the difference between ADHD and ASD is kind of difficult to describe in words. Um, the video that I watched described it in like a like a chart, but I'll do my best. Paris will see me drawing little charts while I explain this. But so ADHD has a wide degree of what's easy and hard for some people. So some tasks like chores or homework or doing you know their favorite art project is easier or harder to complete depending on where their interests lie however for asd gaps the what's easy and hard doesn't depend on their interest it depends on gaps in their skill set so for some people complex ideas like particle physics is easy but remembering names is difficult Mm. does that make sense yeah and I mean, I'm just going to mention, has everyone seen The Good Doctor? You'll see, like, his brain working in a different way. He actually has autism spectrum disorder, and he's got that map in his brain trying to come up with, like, it's got, like, the human body in his Mm. brain. So his memory, we mentioned before, they have a really great memory um, in especially visual memory. So what he was doing is he was going back to his brain, going in all the different structures, and... It's just incredible the way that they can break things down. Um, I also love that show, Love on the Spectrum. Yeah. Me and my partner binge watch that. We <laughs> love it. We just think it's so heartwarming. Aww. And it's just so interesting to see. Abby and... Yeah, yeah. That's and so I follow her on TikTok. She has a TikTok. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, but interesting to see where their strengths and weaknesses lie. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's just so amazing from an OT lens yeah. to see them engaging think- in an occupation like dating. I think that really highlights it because, you know, if you look at the quote-unquote normal person, every person has strengths and weaknesses. So with ASD, they even have greater strengths with the visual memory and um, what else? A lot more, you know, academic. They've got the science and the maths, but then also creative in the art and the music. So, So, yeah, what I'm trying to get at is like... They shouldn't be seen as unnormal, I guess. is Like, they have a greater strength and a weakness in some points. Everyone does. Like, you know, like, we may have a really particular interest in paediatrics, but I don't really know much about um, spinal cord injuries yet. Mm. I mean... Yeah, no, yeah, I know yeah. what you're saying. It's very... It's very human. Yeah. Like, it's not... Exactly. And it... Yeah. Mm. And I think the real thing that differentiates it in society and why it is such a big topic of conversation is just around the social and communication Mm. aspects because that's something people see yeah and that's something that people without asd um pick up very early Mm. on and are able to adapt to but you know where those deficits lie is where ot can really come in yeah absolutely um also what i wanted to talk about i saw a lot and a lot of sources uh, kind of comparing and contrasting ASD and AHD uh, in um, male and female populations. Uh, we definitely want to be very uh, cautious when broaching this topic um, regarding gender. We definitely know that sex is different to gender. Um, and I'm going to try and use terms like AFAB and AMAB, so assigned female at birth and assigned male at birth. Um, and I think it's very, I think it, we're coming into a new, um, 
a new field of research in this um, with the changing norms around gender and sex. And I think this is an interesting topic of conversation to have, but I want to be careful that I'm using the right language. So that's just another disclaimer before we start this section. One uh, point that I got from a certain journal article um, regarding gender variance in the two disorders um, can say that associated gender norms um, may skew the, the results. So what we assign certain sexes to act like may actually skew our understanding of um, how ASD works. So that's an important thing to acknowledge before getting into this. But originally ADHD was thought of as a problem with little boys um, because there was that emphasis on behaviour and hyperactivity problems. Um, And it is important to understand that boys are twice as likely to be diagnosed than girls. However, this statistic might just be because uh, girls usually go unnoticed. And sorry, when I mean boys and girls, I do mean assigned male at birth and assigned female at birth. Um, Just because... Uh, AFAB people have more inattention symptoms than hyperactivity symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome point. I didn't know that. Actually, that was really interesting that boys are more likely to be diagnosed. Yeah. And in general, uh, AMAB people, their genetic makeup uh, with their testosterone shows that they're more vulnerable to a variety of disorders, but specifically neurodevelopmental disorders. So ADHD and ASD, they're more um, vulnerable to these diagnoses because of their levels of testosterone, which were interesting. Um, Also another point, uh, AFAB people uh, seem to have a better idea of what's more socially acceptable. And this is where masking comes in, which is an important term in uh, ASD. So masking may involve suppressing certain behaviours we find soothing, but others find weird. So, you know, there's a lot of behaviours that people with ASD like to participate in that around other people isn't Mm. socially the norm. Um, But it can also mean mimicking behaviours of those around us. So developing social scripts for certain situations. So yeah, masking is a skill that a lot of people with ASD develop. Is there anything you want to say around that? Not really? No. Cool. That's great. Um, And yeah, uh, AFAB or people um, are more socially motivated. So I think... Um, using the term girls especially in the younger population um, there's a higher need to be accepted by your peers Mm. and that can kind of control the way that females uh, what's the word Um, interact yeah kind of show um, Uh, their symptoms is what I mean yeah so yeah that's some interesting uh, points uh, just to compare and contrast I'm just going to share um, like a few real life experiences, I guess. Like we've, we've given you all the evidence on what Google and everything says, but I'm just going to share some types of behaviours that I've experienced um, with ASD in particular because um, there's actually a higher prevalence of ASD in my clinic, which I work at, but um, I acknowledge that ADHD is just as prevalent. Um, But I've got a particular story lately, which I thought really wrapped together what we were just talking about. So one of my clients, um, they have ASD um, 
and they were diagnosed around five-ish. Um, and in my session with them, I <laughs> we're talking about um, kind of responding to um, different questions without being too honest. So <laughs> I'm trying to put this in yeah. a way. So it's called um, literal communication. So this means that when a girl comes up and asks them if um, this person likes their dress um, this person will say no I actually don't like that dress I don't think it looks very pretty on you I wish we could all be that honest (laughs) I know and I mean like if my boyfriend said this to me I'd be heartbroken oh my god all the time I'm just like do you like my dress or do you just like yeah I know like it's about you can say no (laughs) no like I feel like there's there's a difference if if they're trying to flatter someone they can't say no it's just not yeah. you know so one of my goals and that's with a this social client, norm yeah, yeah yeah so one of my goals with this client because we actually do have to work to social norms we have to get um them interacting with um people um <laughs> so we were going through different situations where this person just didn't understand so some examples was um people saying um, oh, I'm walking on eggshells today, and he'd be like, "Where's the eggshells?" You know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that's a really good one. But another one. Um, what else are we saying? Oh, um, go sit down. And then he's like, well, "They're like, I don't know where to sit. Where, like, where do I? Where's down? Like." <laughs> I do you want me to sit next to you or like on my chair? So wow, I've never yeah. would have thought about yeah. that. Like the, just the word down, they take yes. so literally. Yeah. Wow. So, so what this client said to me was like, um, we're working on ways that he can communicate to the person that he doesn't understand what they're trying to say. So what he's got to say to the teacher is, um, I'm really confused on what you're asking me. Would you like me to sit on my chair or would you like me to sit? on the floor right here or you know like he d- he doesn't really understand um but yeah I think that was a really good real life example because literate communication is a really big thing with ASD um and <laughs> I was reading it's called standing up for myself it's a resource online um it's a great resource for people with ASD but um what this was saying was like we have all of our preferences we need to communicate them in a way that the general public can understand because as we mentioned before it's a different wiring in the brain and a lot of people like they're not used to different and you know I think there's a really big um stereotype on ASD people not not showing emotion I think that's a really big one because this particular client he like I was quite upset the other day in my clinic session and we've been working on you know recognizing behaviors recognizing emotion because that's what we do with ASD clients but the other day he noticed straight away he like clicked and I was like oh my gosh I was like my work has just been complete he said that's amazing he said Miss Paris I'll read the book today and I was like, oh my God. I was like, you never read the book. That's amazing. <laughs> and he was like, you've got to put more expression into your speech, Miss Paris. And I'm like, 
Okay, my heart's just melted because that's Isn't what that I like say to him. Just why you want to do OT <laughs> yeah, though, no, like seeing like, the, that development. Yeah, is I was amazing. quite upset that day. I walked out happy, so yeah. I was like, you know what, that's a feel good moment. But I just wanted to mention a real life example on literate communication and how we particularly deal with that is communicating to the person that I actually don't understand what you're trying to say by go sit down or, um, you know, um, like move the chair like where do you want me to move the chair um or another one was um the glass half full and glass half empty so he so couldn't just, wrap his hand yeah, head around this. difficult to speak in metaphors yes. is what you're saying and yeah. so we we talked about this um in our occupational therapy theory class in uni about the car wow model mm-hmm. i thought i'd mention this because that's a particular one to avoid for speaking in metaphors because the whole point of the car wow is to put rocks as the life of it, you know, like... Yeah, I think um, to anyone that doesn't know about the Kawa, it's about creating um, kind of a roadmap of your life or a certain situation in terms of the environment. So it's like a river, mm-hmm. there's rocks and sticks in the river, which might be uh, whatever your interpretation. So it might be like barriers in your way, um, you know, flowing water means good things, choppy mm. water means bad things. That's the kind of it's completely model. up to you as well in your own interpretation. But how, like, I know Emma loved this model, the Kawa. Mm. It wasn't my favorite, so that just shows how you know people favor things over others, um, and particularly with ASD, people favor things more than others. Um, but yeah, I I do speech and OT um, stuff with actually mostly speech stuff with this particular client and I'm not like he just loves OT stuff he just like he's like can I just do OT stuff today I don't want to do speech (laughs) like he's that person who just wants to play games all the time he he knows what he wants actually I might share like another situation so this client again um so I see him weekly and on this day I noticed that he was really upset he he wasn't getting what he wanted that day and so he was really kind of affected by different stimuli that was thrown at him and whatnot so on this day I went and collected him from his classroom I brought him back and he noticed that in our classroom he didn't have his spinny chair and he he can't function without this spinny chair and it's actually a teacher's chair at this school and it's a safety concern if he uses it but I I was not aware of this he usually just uses it and he concentrates (laughs) so we just usually use it um and there wasn't a speech chair before I even said anything he searched the rooms he went in every single room and he was like where is it like I can't find it and and then a teacher came out because he started getting really upset and then the teacher kind of like yelled at him a lot and made him really he went to his calm corner he knew what to do but he got really really upset and I had to kind of work with him and the teacher's behavior kind of just put my progress back like I was already getting him in the room but the teacher just came out and absolutely said you're wasting her time and blah blah blah. and I was like oh my gosh I'm gonna need you like I'm gonna need you to step away because I'm dealing with this like isn't that so sad like that really breaks my heart because I think the we 
as speech pathologists and occupational therapists, you know, all, all allied health, we're so intentional with every action that when someone comes along yeah. and kind of ruins all your yeah. progress, yeah. it's a, it's not feeling sad yeah. about your progress being lost. It's theirs. Like you really and feel. And over for the time, client. I developed rapport, and we worked on emotional regulation. He knew what he was doing, and he knew what I was doing. I was trying to calm him down. I wasn't putting pressure on him. I wasn't yelling at him. He hates when people yell at him because he doesn't see a point to it, which is, I I reckon he's wise beyond his years because I'm like, <laughs> there is no point to yelling, you know. Um, but anyway. And I think to the teacher's defense, obviously, she might have had a hard day. Yeah. She's dealing with so many kids. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's we do need to be very aware of our actions. Yeah. That just uh, goes to I'm show. not paying out on the teacher. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we we kind of it set you back yeah yeah and i mean i'm not even gonna like i'm kind of focusing on his behavior not the teachers just don't even worry about the teacher (laughs) but anyway we got back in the room after i said you know what we're gonna have a calm session we're just gonna read some books it's completely up to you what we do in this session so i used it was a client-led session um and i think that's really important to do if things aren't going well because um, they can see that you respect them and you, you respect their behaviour and their time to want to kind of slow down and get into the session. Um, and particularly, like, by the end of it, we were doing stuff that I wanted to do. It was all about compromise and he knew that I could compromise and he could compromise. Yeah, I genuinely don't know much about, you know, mm. session-specific things because I don't work in the same um, line of work that Paris does. Uh, but... Do you find that client-led sessions are something common with your ASD clients or is it more structured, like by yourself? I actually find, well, just because ASD, they value routine. I mentioned that before. So I do have a set routine every time. However, in saying that, you sometimes have to go with the flow with their emotions and it's all about building that rapport as well. If you give them a bit of um time to process um and you know time to regather their thoughts it doesn't take long but by the by the end of it he he said to me you know I wish you were my teacher no one understands me at this school and it was so it was so sad that one-on-one time is so valuable oh yeah god yeah like yeah, but I, I just thought those stories would be particularly helpful with putting a real-life context on it as well. I know our lecturers drill into us all the time, theory to practice, and it I've given I've been given an amazing opportunity to link my theory to practice in my sessions. Um, but yeah, take from that what you will. Um, we're just going to quickly address a question that we got on our question box. Yeah, so we put up a couple question boxes um, just to see if anyone had any questions surrounding ADHD and autism, um, considering we were going to do an episode on it and just kind of do what people want us to answer. So we had a couple questions. Paris, did you want to take away? Yeah, um, so we'll both kind of pitch in about these questions and I think you'll find that most of the answers are already in our episode but um, this is a really good question so this person said as a girlfriend of someone with undiagnosed ADHD or ASD how do I assist? Mm, Okay Um, sorry I'm just going to butt in Um, I haven't shared this story yet and I'm sure she won't mind 
but my sister recently received an ADHD diagnosis and it's something you know when you look back at her behaviors in school and just life it makes sense um she often had teachers saying I think one of her teachers in a parent-teacher conference literally said where does she go so she clearly has like the inattentive ADHD side of it and she can just zone out when it's something she's not necessarily interested in um so although you might not yet have a diagnosis the the experience of ADHD is still very real like you can still very much experience all the symptoms without just having the label officially recognized so undiagnosed is as what's the word is as not relevant but important important it's It's I'm saying that undiagnosed is as valuable as diagnosed to the person well yeah if you feel like the person you're with has kind of some traits or symptoms um you can respond to the um behaviors as um kind of what we were just talking about so yeah so like if they have particular symptoms respond to it what like with what we were just discussing um i found that responding in a calm manner just from my client sessions this is what i do i've had a few instances where the child has had a tantrum just doesn't want anything for adults this could be a like kind of a rage this could be yelling this person doesn't get why that person doesn't um, know what they mean Um, this could be them just kind of switching behaviors really quick Um, so how I would respond is either just listen be a listening ear you don't even have to say anything and what I mean by this is just stay silent wait for them to have a breath then say I'm so sorry I don't understand what you're trying to communicate with me often they'll be like oh my gosh they're actually kind of you know they're kind of interested Mm. in what I have to say and they they're actively listening um yeah and I think the part that's affect that with those who are diagnosed around me the part that affects me the most is because I'm such an organized person when they aren't organized maybe a bit disorganized due to their diagnosis it fills me with a lot of anxiety Mm. like for them I'm like but why was it in your calendar (laughs) and you just want to be an OT and give them a planner and sort their life out yeah but I think um it's you know being respectful and thoughtful when you approach them and understanding that your way of life isn't necessarily the best way of life absolutely responding to them as they are you know and just problem solving with them and just know that they're not they're kind of they can't control it and it doesn't come from a place of not caring they're not like if it's your boyfriend he doesn't this is a really bad example but he doesn't forget your anniversary because he doesn't care it's just because you know he's (laughs) his mind is quite jumbled right now in saying that if you do find that they have a lot of traits kind of encourage them to go speak to someone um that's what i would 100 percent do um ot's are amazing in this field particularly with um asd and adhd these are two big big prevalent 
um, diagnoses in the primary school setting in particular and in kindies. Um, but it can be missed. Like you can oh, be absolutely. at the age where you're dating and not have a diagnosis. Yet. And I know, you know, the kindergarten teacher told my parents at that time, they were like, oh, she um, she leaves the door open when she goes to the toilet, like in kindergarten. And they, they were kind of picking at little things I did and they told my parents, you should go, um, you know, speak to someone and do all this and I actually do remember um playing sandpits with this older lady and I think she was an OT but I I'm not sure my parents never got me diagnosed and I'm I don't think I am autistic but you know I could have some traits you know yeah well that's the thing like it's reducing the stigma around it like just because we have traits or we could even be pre-diagnosis or never want to receive a diagnosis doesn't mean that anything's wrong but i honestly think everyone has traits of asd if you actually have a look at it what's a spectrum you know like a lot of people can be it's um kind of drawing a line on the spectrum yeah um i mean i know i i i plan my life out and emma does too that could be a kind of impulsive kind of thing and i struggle with anxiety when things get changed paris knows so like that's a that's a symptom of autism so and i think anyone will agree with this because every person i've talked to says oh yeah i have traits of asd yeah 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 i yeah i think it's a a widely experienced thing i think it's important to still recognize though those with um more symptoms um do need to be attended to differently to make sure that they can have proper occupational engagement you know what i mean and that ties it back to meaningful occupations not everyone is the same not everyone likes swimming not everyone likes gardening you know every client's different and not one is the same yeah yeah all right but we're all human (laughs) and we Um, love you all uh awesome well i think that kind of rounds us out that is that was a good episode i think that was good hopefully we hope you like our first kind of research mm. content heavy one i had fun with it honestly yeah i feel like this podcast is like pd you know what i mean yeah. like i feel like i'm doing <laughs> professional development please let <laughs> us know if you want any topics um touched on um or if you like seeing these types of episodes because we love doing yeah. any episodes. And we're going to try and post on our social media more often, Paris and I were talking about, um, just kind of relating everything in our life back to OT. So Paris posted her at the beach, you know, as a leisure and yeah. self-care occupation. Um, so just we're trying to make it a lot more personable. Mm. Yeah, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we don't want it to be fully formal. We want you guys to know us as humans and um, not just OT students. Yeah, awesome. Okay. Well, I think that rounds us out. Thanks for listening. Thanks, bye. Bye.